Get the inside scoop on what VCs are thinking and where they are investing today and tomorrow. Ann Kennedy and Jillian Music guide you through the opaque world of venture capital and reveal all the ways you can source capital for your company's growth. It all starts right here with Ann Kennedy and Jillian Music on VC Confidential. Welcome to our 37th VC Confidential podcast. I'm Ann Kennedy, and I'm here with my co-host and partner in Outlines Venture Group, Jillian Music. Together, we are managing directors of the Sibylla Masters Fund. You can learn more at masters.vc. This show is for investors and entrepreneurs alike. We're going to rip that opaque lid off conventional venture capital and show you how it works. And there you have it, folks. Hi, Jillian. Hi, Anne. I think we should rip the lid off all of venture capital conventional, emerging, uh, changing. Let's rip it. (laughs) Yep. Yep. I'm with you all the way on that. So what should we talk about this week? Well, we've been hearing a lot about people wanting to get started in investing. So perhaps it's some kind of, you know, general good emerging from this pandemic, or I don't know, more likely it's some of the big deals made in the Q4 that whetted appetites, I don't know. (laughs) Well, I for one prefer the former, but I am pretty sure FOMO is at work here. (laughs) Or, or, or people are stuck at home with not much to entertain them except wagering. And in many ways, startup investing is gambling. After all, not for nothing do we continually remind our listeners that venture capital is the riskiest asset class by far. That said, my heart says go with the goodwill angle. You know, years ago, uh, my husband who went to Columbia University told me a story of his economics professor. The economics professor said, somebody tell me the most popular sport in America. And after, you know, baseball and this and that, the next thing, he said, no, it's horse racing. Everybody was surprised. He said, yes, because you can bet on horse racing. And if tiddlywinks were a bettable sport, it would be the most popular sport in America. What's really popular is betting. So, yeah, All it takes a- is a dollar and a dream. Oops, that's a different kind of betting. That's when, that's, <laughs> that's when the government's got involved. <laughs> they go. saw a good thing. <laughs> Well, let's say it would just just be a wonderful world if uh, the cause were really that there was this kind of a goodwill angle, if you will, if more people were really thinking about what's out there and wanting to lean in on what's about to be built. So what we do know is that there is this rising clamor to become investors. More people are talking about it. And that's actually a really good thing, especially if it goes down into, you know, the youth of, you know, 11 to 20 year olds. So they start thinking about finance much, much earlier. Now, many of the folks who want to get into the, you know, uh, investing world, if you will, don't even meet the accredited investor requirements that are, you know, according to law. The federal government, particularly the SEC, the uh, Securities and Exchange Commission, has standards for who can invest. In other words, who's accredited. So these regulations were established in 1933, just after the crash of the stock market, and they were designed to protect, you know, Jane Doe from betting the rent money or the college fund on risky investments that were beyond the average investor's understanding of the investment product. So um, a lot of shysters were out selling a lot of snake oil and people were hopping on even to the bandwagon of the public markets. And when everything crashed, everybody was so surprised. All right, so this is 
was designed to protect them. Now, limiting private investment, uh, you know, equity investments to financially qualified individuals in the United States was supposed to significantly differentiate investing from recreational gambling. So many assumptions went into that decision to create these regulations. It bears some unpacking, and I hope we get time to do that at the end of this show. But the recent changes to these regulations and related investment issues alters how millions of people in the United States are affected by them today. True enough. Let's start with a quick recap of what it means to be an accredited investor, also known as a qualified investor in the US today. We covered that topic in detail in a recent show, especially the new rules from the SEC that allow more people to qualify. Today, let's talk about how people who do not qualify yet can dip their toe into investments that were previously reserved for their wealthier neighbors and how they can get involved and, you know, uh, learn on the job. Yep. Well, okay. So the old rule said, if you had a million bucks or more of investable capital, then you're a qualified investor, period, end of story. Or if you earned 200,000 or more in one year, uh, 300,000 if you're a couple, uh, then you're also qualified. And at that time, in the early 20th century, those numbers represented a king's ransom. That was a lot of money. So it made sense. Maybe. By equating ownership of capital with investment savvy, the authors of that regulation demonstrated their clear disdain for the investment capabilities and even the intellectual capability to learn of anyone who was not already part of the moneyed society. Precisely. And this stems from ancient concepts. You know, remember there was a time when the entire world thought that illness was due to bad spirits and then the work of the devil. And for a very long time thereafter, if you were ill, it's because you had displeased God in some other way. You had been bad. And so you were afflicted, right? And the same process continued long after to include if you're poor, it's your own doing, right? That you don't have the ability to get anywhere else in life. Um, you know, the, the concept of the masses, uh, you know, you know what happened to the French when they tried that one, you know, off with the heads. Uh, the entire idea that a people could govern themselves was radical when it was postulated in the Americas in the late 1700s. And even then, the definition of the population was really the landed gentry of European extraction. May I also add white men? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it meant. Landed gentry, wealthy, and they had to own real estate, and they were of European extraction, and they were, yes, exclusively male. Right. Nobody else actually had the right to vote. So even in that very forward thinking idea, oh my God, a populace could, could manage itself, right? They were taking away the kings and the queens, right? The, the rulership of this destiny of birth and so on and so forth. And they were handing it out to a larger group, also destined by birth to have what landed wealth, this, that, the next thing, right? So each time it kind of opened a bit more, but it moves in tiny bits. It doesn't really, you know, go all or nothing, but it's still called the grand experiment. And this very year in 2020 behind us, we really tested that grand experiment. Were we going to continue or were we going to become a dictatorship? So very interesting stuff. But 
this same thought that includes if you're poor it's your own doing right was kind of where it all came around these regulations were created to paternalistically protect the underclasses from being sold shady investments by scammers and there were many right uh, they were actually quite progressive in their time no one had really considered that the plight of ill-educated people who were plied with these spurious offerings of every kind and being built out of their money you know they'd never really thought about that before so was a good start. And if a person did not have money, they had no ability to make good financial decisions or investments. The problem lies in those paternalistic origins. You'd think? Yeah. Yeah. So along comes the 20th century. Technology booms that brought us the personal computer, the internet, thousands of new ways of doing business, communicate, and otherwise conducting our personal lives, all kinds of good opportunities, right? But by the 21st century, in other words, just the past few years and right now, the limit of this $1 million of investable capital had become laughably low. Yeah, and in, and if you uh, recalculated that, it's many multiples of that, you know, if you exactly. count for inflation. So, right. so uh, now kind of the average investor got to play. Yeah. That became interesting, and now there was a big rub. Yep. All of which brings us to new rules. Yeah. If you have those old sums of money, $1 million in investable capital, and that means this sum does not include the value of your primary residence, folks. Everything else you own, including a fancy car, a second home, all your existing investments can be included. If you have that million bucks or earn 200000 or more in your day jobs, again, 300000 if you're a couple, you still qualify. What got added is interesting, and even the press release that accompanied the changes put out by the SEC and published on their website demonstrates that the agency understood that by excluding people who were not already wealthy from investing in private equity, they were restricting access to build capital wealth, as well as the ability of most uh, of America to impact the future of companies. Here's what the press release said, and I quote, Historically, individual investors who do not meet specific income or net worth tests, regardless of their financial sophistication, have been denied the opportunity to invest in our multifaceted and pr vast private markets. There's an acknowledgement. Yeah. Oh. And that coming right. from, it's like from Maya the Culpa. Feds. <laughs> yeah. 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 Good for them. Good for them. Uh, the amendments update and improve the definition to a more effective and more effectively identify institutional and individual investors that have the knowledge and expertise to participate in those markets. And therein, by the way, lies all the details. But we're going to have to take a break, Anne, I think. We yep. got some uh, sponsors who want to say hello. They sure do. So we'll be right back with more insights into the world of venture capital on VC Confidential. More ways you can source capital for your company's growth on VC Confidential is coming up. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. 
top SEOs send you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. Here's the truth you need to know about podcasting. The biggest problem you face right now as a future podcaster is the myth that it takes an enormous amount of time or effort to produce a high-quality professional podcast. Luckily for you, there's a solution to your problem. If you're an online marketer who really needs to grow an audience of buyers but can't do all the heavy lifting alone, then here's the solution you're looking for. Introducing the DFY Podcasting System. Here's what you get. 30 minutes of one-on-one training a weekly podcast for you or your company, distribution to almost every podcast portal, an embeddable player for your website, an ebook called How to Podcast, created for WMR.FM show hosts, and much, much more. And best of all, you'll start seeing results with the DFY podcast system within a couple of weeks. You're just one podcast away from growing brand awareness and engagement in your business. Log on to podcast.wmr.fm and sign up for a deeply discounted rate today. That's podcast.wmr.fm. Ann Kennedy and Jillian Music are back with the inside scoop on what VCs are thinking and where they are investing today and tomorrow on VC Confidential, only on wmr.fm. Welcome back to VC Confidential. I'm Ann Kennedy with Jillian Music talking about what you as an investor, advisor, or entrepreneur need to know about venture capital. Before the break, we opened the conversation about how investors who want to get started but are not accredited according to SEC rules can instead join the fund uh, via regulation crowdfunding. And that's what I'd like us to dig into in this section. But before we do, Jillian, do you want to recap real quick what the new rules say? Absolutely. The SEC is still restricting people from making pitches to people who are not qualified investors. They just broadened the concept of what qualified would mean. So now they include people with, quote, certain professional certifications, designations, or credentials, or other credentials issued by an accredited institutional, uh, educational institution, excuse me, which the commission may designate from time to time by order. This really means that if you have, for example, a finance degree, maybe even a business degree from an accredited institution, in other words, a university, uh, or if you are a, uh, an accountant, uh, you know, a CFO, uh, you, you have some kind of a professional certification, you're certainly a money manager, all of those kinds of things, but the SEC has to list it. So go check that out uh, and make sure that you're covered. People who are knowledgeable employees of a fund, quote unquote, knowledgeable employees. So if you're working for a fund, even if you just came in as an analyst or something, you are, be, you know, coming up there, if you will, your boss kind of has to certify that you're knowledgeable. So the social secretary who picks up the phone in the front, he's not going to be qualified. But if you're an analyst, yeah, she might be qualified. So uh, what the government suggests is the boss kind of keeps a record of projects this person has worked on that would say, yes, they're qualified, even if they don't have a degree. New rules also specifically called out interesting groups like Indian tribes, 
governmental bodies, funds and other organized uh, entities under the laws of foreign countries. So you can get foreign investment groups in there. Um, people or groups rather that own specific investments. And again, they must be defined by those SEC rules. So go look at the entire list and it has to be in excess of 5 million bucks worth of those investments. The new rules say that such entities must not have been formed for the specific purpose of investing the securities offered. In other words, you can't just get a whole group of people, put it together just so you can invest in ABC company. It has wait, to exist wait, doesn't otherwise. That sound like, doesn't that, that sounds a lot like a SPAC, Jillian. <laughs> Uh, we did a whole show on specs, <laughs> but but I digress. We'll go back to that some other time. We can yes, we can uh, sort out how a spec can operate, and this can still exist. And the answer is a spec, of course, qualifies under the financial uh, qualifications so easily as yeah. do all of the members of a spec. They yeah. are qualified under the old rules only. So uh, with that, um, you know, you can play that game. All right. So uh, interestingly, though, the new rules added a new term, spousal equivalent to the accredited investor definition. So now people are who are cohabiting with or without the benefit of legal marriage can pool their finances for the purpose of qualifying as accredited investors. Also kind of an important move. Uh, this, is, this is quite interesting as it begins to expand the group, uh, focusing a lot more on knowledge capability, um, kind of the uh, capacity for logical process and understanding of the sector itself. So yeah, we're still going to protect Joe the Butcher if he is also not reading the financial papers every night and studying that. But we can give Joe the Butcher opportunity if he does those other things. If he, for example, gets himself accredited by getting some kind of a certificate, which he may wish to do. Some of these certificates can be received fairly inexpensively. It does not mean there's not a lot of work involved, but anybody who wishes to can now engage. And once they develop the know-how, and that's the key point, is There's to be informed. And yeah. we're going to have something to say about all of that as we go on. With the, new, with the idea of the new rules in place, someone with the capacity to make informed financial investment decisions does not necessarily have to have $1 million in assets already accumulated in order to qualify as an accredited investor. So... Being generally financially savvy is not enough, though. Keep this in mind. You still have to be employed by or work for, under some other arrangement, a fund. Or you need to be part of one of the entities described in the new rules, which you can find on the SEC website. We'll put that link on our LinkedIn page. And you can find that by searching for Outlines Venture Group on LinkedIn. Okay, so that covers what to do if you're newly qualified. But there are so many people who want to support emerging companies at the very earliest stages, even the idea stage, right? And they don't meet the cash qualifications yet, and they don't work for a fund. So uh, let's start with what you can do if you're in that category. Okay, then. Crowdfunding comes to mind immediately. And REIT investments with online platforms. 
Yeah, that's real estate investment trusts, right? REITs. Yeah. Those are, yeah, online platforms have opened it up. Uh, Realty Mogul is among them, and uh, there are many others. Sometimes you can use your 401k or your uh, IRA accounts and so on to make investments in these kinds of uh, platforms. So uh, they look a lot like crowdfunding platforms. They, they operate yep. the same way. Yeah. And there are many mobile apps that enable anyone to make purchases in the public equities market, i.e. the stock market, with just yep. a few dollars. Yep, that's true too. Yeah, all kinds of things. And some of them making the news these days, but um, there are a lot of them and they do uh, good work. So we'll see about how that expands again, especially um, among younger people, uh, the folks anywhere starting like 11 and 12 and going up to 30, 40 years old. This is kind of historically a group that did not get a lot of focus on finance and helping them to do that earlier in their lives helps them to set aside capital and to become um, at least least financially stable, if not capitally wealthy uh, over time. So yes to all of those. And then there are a number of mobile apps and desktop apps, and I've been digging into those lately. So maybe another show in the offing here. They that enable people be. to Yeah, they enable people to buy and trade cryptocurrencies as well. Uh-huh. So I've um, been listening to what Janet Yellen's got to say about the cryptocurrency and, you know, it, it, it becomes interesting over time here um, as we look at the different platforms. Okay. And maybe we'll even have to break down and talk about NFTs too. But for now, <laughs> regulation crowdfunding, let's dig into that and tell our listeners how it works. It's good news for emerging funders and startup founders alike. Yes. Yeah, so it's been around for about five years. Uh, the genesis in Title th- was uh, in Title Three of the Federal Jobs Act of 2012. Anybody remember that? Yeah, yeah, a long time ago. Okay, so by the way, Jobs is an acronym for Jump Start Our Business Startups. Catchy, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I thought so. Anyway, it was news to me. <laughs> um, so uh, the sec.gov website has a small business uh, page on this uh, regulation crowdfunding. We'll pop a link into that uh, as well on our LinkedIn page. Now, on October 30th of 2015, the Securities and Exchange Commission voted to adopt, and I quote, regulation crowdfunding. So it's regulation. Regulation CF, because, you know, it wasn't good enough to just say the word crowdfunding. All right. So Regulation CF is a set of rules and forms that will implement securities crowdfunding in the United States. Lofty. The SEC was required to adopt these rules under the provisions of Title III of the Jobs Act of 2012. Um, You can read more about that over at seedinvest.com. Let's put a link to that one in as well. So according to the SEC, regulation crowdfunding enables eligible companies to an eligible, so we'll get to that, to offer and sell securities through crowdfunding. And these rules are, they require all transactions under regulation crowdfunding to take place online through an SEC registered intermediary, either a broker dealer or a funding portal. Interesting, okay. So it's gotta be registered with the SEC. It's an intermediary, a broker dealer, or a funding portal. And you don't get to sit in the back smoky room and ply somebody with <laughs> uh, you know, alcohol and talk them into it. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. It's leveraging, if you will, the internet itself uh, for a, mis- uh, a more dispassionate and uh, logical um, process 
right? So that's intriguing. It permits a company to raise an aggregate amount of $1,070,000 through crowdfunding offers in a 12-month period. Very unusual number, $1,070,000. I think, although I have absolutely no foot to stand on here, that 70000 was what they thought the outside cost of the marketing and engaging some firm to help you and so on would be to raise a million bucks. And maybe it's even the cost of the cut that the platform takes. I'm not sure. But $1,070,000, that's it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Unusual number. And it requires a disclosure of information in filings with the commission and to the investors and to the intermediary facilitating that offer. Okay, so it, with that, we have a good sense of what they said you have to do to get this regulated crowdfunding. Yeah, and going. before we go to go to a break, and uh, after which we're going to talk a little bit about some of the platforms that have uh, uh, emerged, uh, we should note that uh, they if. Securities purchased in a crowdfunding transaction generally cannot be resold for one year. So this is not your piggy mm -hmm. bank, folks. And also, uh, they're subject to bad actor disqualification provisions, which basically yeah. means you can't break the law and still do this um, or you know yeah. offer these. So we're going to take another break for our sponsors, and we will be right back. You are listening to VC Confidential. More ways you can source capital for your company's growth on VC Confidential is coming up. Ready to do a podcast for your business? Make that podcast elevate to enterprise level. Let webmasterradio.fm expedite and execute your podcast to build your brand and broaden your customer base. Webmasterradio.fm has worked with the world's biggest tech brands, Google, Yahoo, and Bing and have worked with fast-growing brands like ShipStation and GoDaddy. Now it's your turn. Contact brasco at wmr.fm and rush your enterprise-level podcast into production at a very reasonable rate. Email brasco at wmr.fm. Are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. Ann Kennedy and Jillian Music are back with the inside scoop on what VCs are thinking and where they are investing today and tomorrow on VC Confidential, only on WMR.FM. Welcome back to VC Confidential. We are so glad you joined us. Today we are talking about SEC regulation crowdfunding, also known as Reg CF. And its key way beginning investors can get started even if they are not accredited. So we wanted to let you know of a few platforms we heard about, and then we've got a few more things to say about this. So there's a quote from a going VC in San Francisco that seek that uh, crowdfunding seeks or the going VC yeah. seeks to incubate the next generation of VCs. Mm -hmm. um, 
and they explain how crowdfunding works in plain language. I just love this. It says, if you are not an accredited investor, but would still like to start investing in startups to train those muscles, here are some successful platforms under SEC Reg CF in helping funders fundraise and allowing anyone to invest. And they advise that you think of it as Kickstarter, except you get a piece of the pie instead of a future product. <laughs> don't, don't you love the fact, by the way, that we and all our listeners now know what an SEC Reg CF means? Yes. Isn't that cool? We're, we're yeah. all on the inside cognoscenti now. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. So what are the three platforms? Uh, there's one called Republic. Um, mm -hmm. Just like, spelled just like it said, except it's republic.co. Uh, there's mm -hmm. another one called Seed Invest, whom we quoted earlier. And that's there's a dot com. Mm -hmm. That's a And then there's wefunder.com. Um, we can throw those links in the LinkedIn pages too. These are just three of the kind of portals that have emerged as a result of the first regulation. All share a promise to vet the companies you can invest in, and that is taking a huge burden of due diligence off novice investors' hands. Um, also, Crowdwise videos on YouTube have a lot of details uh, on how to be a CF investor. We'll throw that link in, too. Yeah, that's actually good stuff. Um, you know, just a few moments on the videos and you actually will learn quite a bit about how this whole thing works and how to, you know, dip your toe in. Um, so a Backstage Capital, for example, used the Republic platform, that's the first one you mentioned, to raise the maximum. And they got there within hours, of, you know, $1,070,000. That's the legal limit per annum to raise. Uh, and they raised a small venture capital fund. So it was, it's a company and they got out there and raised it under crowdfunding. Right? It was a brilliant way to reach people who ordinarily would not be able to invest in a venture capital fund. So absolutely brilliant. This is a group, uh, Backstage Capital. They invest in uh, people of color, LGBTQ, female-led companies. Uh, there's a waiting list to be informed now if and when Backstage opens a new fund on this platform again. Now, it's uncertain as to whether or not a single entity can launch multiple funds on the same platform within the same year and continue to raise another million seventy thousand each time in tandem. I'm really not certain. Yeah. So uh, kind of that's, that's really interesting. More yeah. power to them. And I think that it's uh, you you uh, make hay as well as you can. But here's my question as we uh, cruise into winding down um, this episode of VC Confidential. Why does this matter? Why is it important that investors be able to do this? Yeah, not just that they be able to do that, but they actually do it. Um, I keep talking about the younger people who are, you know, coming to investment age and so on. But I'm also talking about everybody, young and old. Um, managing your own capital is an important part of attaining capital wealth, becoming comfortable with that. But there's more to it, right? And I think backstage capital probably illuminated that too. Um, 
just as recently we saw in the public markets that GameStop was gamified by investors who just shot the, the stock to the skies. They were ticked off at hedge funds who said that, you know, their, their little uh, company that they loved and so on was going to go under. It may be that it will. It may be that this company doesn't have a good business plan or so on, or it may be that they've made it possible for the company to pivot and become viable again. Now there's an idea, but these were individual folks talking on places like Reddit and you know other social media platforms and to each other and saying, no, we can lean in, we can make a difference here. You can make a difference at the earliest stages of uh, kind of uh, entrepreneurship of the kinds of companies that'll be built, uh, the fashions that will come to play in the B2C sector of, I don't know, health devices that wouldn't get a shot in another uh, forum. But you say, no, no, we need to do that. Individuals can make a difference. It's like the one vote. You know, did a vote make a difference? Sometimes it sure as shooting does. Sometimes people win things with six and 10 votes. We tend to think in only millions and trillions. I think America's beginning to think again about the value of the individual vote. And I would leave our conversation today with something that Margaret Mead said so many years ago. Never doubt that a small group of committed people can change the world. Indeed, it is the only thing that ever has. And with that, I'd say that's why you learn to invest and that's why you do so. And that's a wrap for this episode of VC Confidential. We invite you to join us each Tuesday for a new episode as we take a deep dive into the opaque world of venture capital and share learnings and ideas on the inner workings of the shrouded corner of business finance known as venture capital. We'd like to thank our producers at WMR.FM who graciously hosted our previous CEO coach show for more than a decade and host our new VC Confidential show now in its 37th episode. We are grateful for their long and continued support of our work. You can listen to all our episodes from both shows right here on WMR.FM and in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever you like to get your podcasts. I'm Ann Kennedy with Jillian Music, and we are so glad you joined us on VC Confidential. Till next week. Till next week. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.